So our scripture this morning is going to come from Exodus 33, verses 12 to 23. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you please with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion." But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Good morning to you all. Let's start this morning with a little thinking exercise. I want you to think of something in your life that is making you anxious, something you're uncertain about, something you have questions about, okay? something you would love to know exactly how it turns out. Love to get some clarity on it. Hopefully, I don't think that should be too hard of a question. There's probably something in your mind. So what if I gave you the option, just to be clear, I don't have this ability, but what if I gave you the option of all that uncertainty being removed, all those questions being removed? Would you say yes? Okay. Would it be, I guess the question is, would it be good for you if all that uncertainty was taken away? Or are some things better left unknown? So last week, we looked at the story of the golden calf. The story actually ended a little bit on a, on a cliffhanger. Israel, if you remember, they survived to see another day. They were about to be wiped off the face of the earth. Last second, Moses comes in, stands in the breach, intercedes, goes to bat for them, and God relents. Okay? Israel lives to see another day. But we still have this problem of the golden calf. There was this absolutely egregious sin, this incredible unfaithfulness by the Israelites. And we're left last week with this question of what happens next? Because God tells Moses, okay, it's time for you. He gives them the marching orders. Time for you to go to Mount Sinai. Time for you to go to the promised land. But I'm not going with you. I'll send an angel in front of you, but I'm not going with you. I've had it with these people. God is done with these people. He's not not wiped them off the face of the earth, but he's done with them. 
So God's presence, this whole long section we looked at in the tabernacle, was supposed to be God's presence was supposed to be dwelling among the people. That now looks like it's not going to be happening. And it, and it makes Moses anxious. He seems really, he's got all these questions. You've been telling me to lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. This angel is not enough for Moses. Okay? Yeah, an angel's going to go ahead, but that's not enough. Moses needs more than that. And, and, and it's not just for Israel's sake, it's for his sake. Look at what he says here. Listen, you, have, you haven't told me who you are going to send with me. Like, look, I, got, I understand I have these orders. I get that. I need some assurance myself. I need to know that you're going to go with me. God responds, okay, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Take care of, right? Great. Let's, let's move forward to the promised land. But Moses isn't done. Moses has got more questions. He's still got concerns. I feel like Moses, it reminds me of something my kids do often where you seem to give pretty, pretty clear command, but there's always lots of questions. There's an endless amount of clarification questions that often come. I feel like Moses is doing that a little bit here. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. So at this point, I kind of want to tap Moses on the shoulder and say, hey, Moses, God just said his presence is going to go with you. You're good. What's the problem? But the request is a little different. Now Moses is asking that the presence go with the Israelites. Okay, we saw this last week. Moses is tying his fate with the fate of Israel. Okay, it's not enough just to send an angel ahead. It's not enough just for God's presence to go with Moses. Moses wants to be sure that God's presence will go with the people of Israel. So think, let's think about this for a second. Why is this so critical? Why is it so critical that the presence of God go with them? Well, according to Moses, if the presence of God is not with them, they're just like everybody else. They're just like all the other nations on the earth. See, Israel, if you remember, Israel's been told they have this special vocation. They're going to be this kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God has very big plans for these people, for this nation. They can't just become like everybody else because that will stop them from doing their vocation, which is to reveal this God to the world. Okay, God didn't just rescue them from slavery for themselves. God has big plans for them. All of the world will one day know who is the creator and savior of the world by through, the, through these people. And it's probably good for us just to pause for a second and remind ourselves that Jesus, who we profess to be the savior of the world, came from a particular people. He came from a particular place, a particular part of the world, in a particular moment in history. Jesus didn't just show up anywhere. He emerged from these people. So like what, what, we, what you and I profess to know about God, it's because of these people. And God will, in fact, as the story moves forward, make God's self known to the world. But at this moment, this mission is in danger. Because if God does, God's presence doesn't go with these people, there's nothing special about them. They're just like everybody else. God responds to Moses, okay, I'll do it. Even this thing, I'll do. Moses, we good now? <laughs> Head to the promised land. You're feeling a little less anxious, Moses. Moses isn't done, is he? He's still uncertain. He still needs something. This assurance from God of the presence with him and the presence with Israel is not enough. And he says this, now show me your glory. Now, at this point, I want to tap Moses on the shoulder and say, Moses, you were fed manna in the wilderness. You saw the mountain tremble. You saw the smoke. 
In the fire, did you not spend 40 days in the presence of God? Have you not seen enough of God's glory to last a lifetime? I'd love to have one of those things. You got them all. What are you you asking for here, Moses, when you say, show me your glory? Well, think back to the time we were back on this mountain. It's been quite a while in our story, but Moses first encountered God in the burning bush, and he heard the voice of God. He was given these marching orders, go rescue the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt, but he hesitated. He was uncertain. He was anxious. He had questions. And so he asked God to reveal God's name. And we talked about this. When when you ask God to reveal God's name, it's not like, what should I put on your name tag? It's, who are you? What's your character? What are you like? So here we are back at Mount Sinai. Moses has his marching orders, lead these people to the promised land, and he's hesitating. He's anxious. He's uncertain. He's got these doubts. They're starting to creep in. Even though God has assured Moses that he will go with him, the presence will go with him, he needs something more. Show me your glory. It's a little bit hard to figure out what exactly Moses is, is groping for, what he's searching for. But interestingly enough, I think God's response actually helps us understand what Moses is asking. Look at, look at God's response. He starts by saying this, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So Moses asked to see God's glory, and God responds by saying, I'll tell you who I am. You want to see my glory? I'll show you my goodness. You you want to know who I am? I'll tell you who I am. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock, and I'm going to have all my goodness pass before you. And next week, there was so... Exodus 34, 6, and 7 is so rich. I was like, we just got to have a whole sermon about that. So uh, we're going to have one more week in Exodus. Not 40 years, but we are going to add one more week. Um, We're going to look at that next week. It's just an incredible passage. I didn't want to rush through it to get there. Okay, so we'll look at those words that the Lord proclaims next week. Gives us an incredible picture of God. But actually today I want to focus on what God refuses. Because there seems to be a request that Moses is making that God says, I can't do that. I'll show you my goodness, but you can't see my face. And now I want to tap God on the shoulder and say, wait, wait, God, Moses didn't ask to see your face. But God seems to know there's something else Moses wants beyond what he's asking for. What is it? What is it that Moses is asking for that God says, I can't do that? Think about a time in your life when you were asked to do something, and whatever you were asked to do elicited some anxiety, some uncertainty, some questions. Maybe you were asked to move somewhere new. Maybe you were asked to take take on new responsibility your job. Maybe it was a new job. Maybe it was going to summer camp for the first time. Maybe it was just a conversation with someone. And whatever was requested of you stirred up a lot of questions, even anxiety, uncertainty. What about this? What about that? What if this happens? And, And someone can sit down with you and patiently answer every one of those questions. But even after they answer all those questions, it may still feel uncertain. It may seem really risky. And see, what you're really trying to do in all these questions is you're trying to erase all the uncertainties. You're trying to erase all the doubts. You want all those gone. You're seeking total clarity. No mystery, no surprises. I want total assurance of how this is going to go. I'll do this thing but I need to know exactly how it's going to play out. Otherwise, I'm not doing it. 
Okay, think about Moses. He's been getting closer and closer to God. He's been in God's presence. He's talked with God as one would talk with a friend. He's encountered and seen God in ways that really almost nobody since then or before then has done. Moses still has questions. He's still uncertain. He still longs for absolute certainty. He wants to see God face to face. In other words, Moses longs to remove any need to see in a mirror dimly. Remember in that great chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, the Apostle Paul writes this, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Even the Apostle Paul, like Moses, had an incredible encounter with God, encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. Even Paul recognizes that he's just seeing through a mirror dimly. Even the Apostle Paul just has partial clarity. He only knows in part. One day, Paul says, I'm going to see God face to face. One day, I'm going I'm to know God fully the way that God fully knows me, but that day hasn't come. Right? For me, the Apostle says, it's like looking through a darkened mirror. There's a veil still there. There's mystery still there. Okay, Moses comes about as close to seeing God face to face as a person can, but it's not enough. He's been asked to lead these people to a promise, and it seems like, and, and I'm doing a little bit of speculating here, just to be clear, but it seems to me like before Moses sets out, he wants absolute certainty. He wants absolute knowledge. He wants absolute clarity. He wants all mystery that stands between him and God to be removed. He wants to see God face to face. Show me your glory. God says, I can't do that. I can't show you my face. I wonder if there's been a time in your life you've come to a fork in the road uh, when you've sensed that God is leading you in a certain direction, God is taking you down a certain path, God is asking you to do something. You say to God, I'll do this thing I sense you're asking of me, but I need assurance. I need clarity. I need to have some questions answered. I need to know if I take this path how things are going to shake out. Remove the questions, God. Remove the uncertainties, God. Remove the mystery, God. Remove the veil, God. Let me see face to face. Let me see through the mirror clearly. I don't want to look through a darkened mirror. I want to look through a mirror clearly. And then, God, I will do whatever you ask me to do. After we had our first child, we were living up in Washington, D.C., and living right in the heart of the city, off Georgia Avenue. Very different lifestyle than anywhere I've had since then. I commuted to downtown K Street uh, on the subway. Um, and, but Krishan and I were feeling this desire to move. We were sensing this desire to, for a different lifestyle, and, and there was these various options, okay? We could, we could move back to Missouri, where I was from. We could just pick some random city that had a lot of interesting things going on and was in a pretty part of the country, and we could just move there. And then there was this other option of moving halfway across the country to Illinois to a Mennonite intentional community to work on a farm in the middle of nowhere. At the time, we knew next to nothing about Illinois, Mennonites, farming, or intentional community. Lots of uncertainty, lots of questions, numerous fears. And I remember sitting at my desk in Washington, D.C., in our little row house, and thinking and praying that God would give us clarity, that God's will would be done in this decision. And we ended up moving to Illinois, where we spent eight years in this community and had this very life-changing experience. But, but as I think about that, I wonder if going back to my desk in D.C., 
as I was asking for guidance, I wonder what would have happened if God would have given me absolute clarity, if God would have removed all the questions and all the uncertainties. If so, God would, this is the image God would have given me eight years later. The farm that I had been managing, that I would poured eight years of my life into, would be closing down. And I would have no idea what I was going to do for work. I would have invested my life, our family's life, into a community, into a church for eight years that now was in the process of shutting down. It had 180 acres and many buildings and farm, and it just was too much for us to manage this aging community. We came to the decision it was time to close it down. And now I would have looked in that image that God showed me, and I would have seen not uh, one child. I would have seen three with one more to go come, and I would have thought, man, these decisions now don't just affect me and my wife and our newborn, but this family of soon-to-be six. See, I think if God would have given me the clarity, given me the vision of what was to come in, I would have said, thanks for that. I think I'll pass. I think I'll look for an option that looks a little less stressful, that looks a little less heartbreaking, that looks a little less disappointing. Moses is anxious about going to the promised land. He's got lots of questions. He wants some clarity. Imagine with me if God, though, would have taken Moses and given him a view of where things were going. Where would that view have taken Moses? They would have gone 40 years down the road. 40 years. Moses thinks he's months away from the promised land. All of a sudden, Moses would realize, oh, I'm 40 years out. And guess what? I don't even get to enter that promised land. God's going to take Moses up on a mountain. He's going to show him the promised land that you cannot enter. I think if, Mo- if God would have given him everything he wanted, Moses might have just said, I think I'll pass. If you are a follower of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, we come to certain junctures in our lives, certain moments where we sense God is leading us, where we sense God is calling us, and we, can, we say, I can do that, but I have some questions. I got some uncertainty. I got some anxiety about this. Clear this up, and I'll move forward. And maybe we get some clarity, but not total clarity, and we move forward anyway. And looking back, we realize that if God had, in fact, given us total clarity, if he would have told us and shown us what was ahead, we never would have set out on that journey in the first place. See, understandably, in big and small ways, when we reach these forks, these decisions, we have questions. I'll do this thing you're asking for me. I got lots of questions. I got lots of uncertainty. I need you to give me the whole picture, God. I need to see face to face. And God says, I can't do that. I can't answer all your questions. I can't clear up all your confusion. I can't ease all your anxiety. But I can remind you of my goodness. You can see my back. You, can't, you can see my back. You can't see my face, but you can see my back. I don't know what uncertainties, what questions you have about God, about how God is working your life, about what God is calling you to, but I'm pretty sure you got them, if you're anything like me. In fact, if you tell me I got no uncertainties, if you tell me all the mystery of God has been removed in my mind, if I've got God figured out exactly, I know exactly what God's doing in my life, I'm pretty sure you're not following the God of the Bible. Because the life of a disciple is not a life where all the questions and all the anxieties and all the confusion get removed and where everything makes sense. Even Moses, 40 days in the presence of God, 40 days in the presence of God, he gets down and he is struggling, he has questions, he has uncertainty, he has anxiety. 
He's looking through a mirror dimly. He's still having to live not by sight but by faith, and Moses is having a hard time doing it. I think this passage is really, really helpful in these four things I want to point out. One, my uncertainties about God and who God is are never going to fully go away. I don't think they're supposed to. If God wanted all the mystery removed, God could have revealed God's self in a way where there's no mystery. There's times where I really wish God would, would have done that because I'm really confused by God sometimes. I really feel like I'm looking at God, but it's through a very darkened mirror. But see, faith, by its very nature, I have to remind myself, is not being able to see. Faith is not getting the whole picture. If we got the whole picture, it would cease to be faith. That's the first thing I want you to notice. Uncertainty, questions, lack of clarity is not a failure of faith, but an aspect of faith. Second thing, if you and I wait around to get total clarity, total assurance, total sight, we're going to do a lot of sitting. We're not going to do very much at all. And even, here's the thing, even if God were to give us that, hey, I'll do this, you've got to give me total clarity, God would give us the clarity, we'd probably say, hey, I think I'll pass on that. Let me give you a super mundane example just to get this in your mind. So I'm, I'm working on cleaning and restoring and staining this fence in my backyard that's needed it for years, but I'm finally getting around to it. And it's taken a long time. And I'm not even close to being done. And I thought as I was power washing the fence yesterday, if I knew how much work this project was going to be, I'm not sure I would have even started it. I'm, I'm sure you all have many examples you can think. If you know what's going you're getting into, you just wouldn't start it. If you look back at your life and you, uh, you, you realize there's been lots of struggles, and if you had to realize those struggles before you took off, you probably wouldn't have taken off in the first place. Taken that job, started that business, taken on that responsibility, made that move. If you wait for total clarity, for all your questions to go away before you do something, you'll never do anything. This can be something as big as moving across the country, but it's mostly in the small things. It's, man, I've been thinking about inviting that person to church, but I, you know what? Before I do that, I need to know, I need assurance of how that's going to go. I need assurance that person's not going to reject me. I need assurance that if that person shows up at church, they're not going to be made to feel uncomfortable. God, get me 100% uncomfortable about this, and I'll invite that person to church. God, I know our congregation, we're a smaller congregation. We have needs. We need Sunday school teachers, okay? I can't say yes to that because I don't know how that's going to go. I've never taught Sunday school before. I don't have total assurance about this. I don't even know if I have time to do this. Second thing here, if you wait around until you get total clarity, total assurance before you act, you're mostly just going to sit there. Third, it's almost always easier to see God from the back. What do I mean? When our passage, Moses is going to be held, in, he's going to be hidden in the cleft of the rock. God will pass by with all God's goodness. Can't see the face, but can see the back. What does that mean? I don't know exactly, but here's, here's something that I think somebody pointed out years ago to me that I think is helpful. It's a lot easier to see God's back than it is to see God's face in front of you. At least in my experience, it, when God is at work in your life, oftentimes it's really, really hard to see that in front of you, in the present. It's usually, if you look back, it's years later, maybe it's decades later, you look back 
and you see that God was, in fact, at work in your life, you just couldn't see it at the time. It was only after God had passed, after that, you could see God's back. And guess what? When we do that, when we look back at our lives and we say, yeah, God was at work, it's almost always in ways we weren't expected. God works in the heartache. God works in the disappointment. God works in the moments when life doesn't go our way, when it makes no sense in the present. But when we get some distance from that, often, not always, we see, oh, God was at work in the moment. We couldn't see God at work right in front of us. God had to get past us, and then we could see God's back. Last thing I want you to see here. We see in this passage that in moments of uncertainty and questions and anxiety, we've got to lean into the character of God. We've got to lean into who God is. Moses, in his uncertainty, in his question, he wants to see God's glory, and God responds, you want to see my glory? I'll show you my goodness. You can't see my face, but you can see my goodness. And that's what you need, Moses, to move forward. You don't need all your questions answered. You don't need all your uncertainties to go away. You don't need all your anxieties to be assuaged. What you need to know is who I am, and I am good. That's what you need to know, and that's what you need to lean into. You need to trust that goodness. Moses has got a lot that we don't have. I'm jealous of Moses in some ways. In some ways, I'm not at all jealous of Moses. But we get to see and experience something that Moses didn't because we're on the other side of resurrection. We don't get to see a smoking mountain. We don't get to see a consuming fire. But we get to see something Moses did. We get to see Jesus. We get to see a picture of God's goodness that even Moses couldn't have dreamed of. The goodness of God in the goodness of Jesus. The glory of God in the glory of Jesus in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. And that's enough. That's enough to move forward. Show me your glory. Show me Jesus. I got all these uncertainties. I got all these questions. I got all these anxieties. Show me your face. I can't do that, but I'll show you Jesus, and that's enough.